I'm an exegetical nerd, so a text like this makes me dive all the way in because I want to understand why he has a shiny face. And I'm confused. Is it shining all the time? Is it shining between visits with God? I, I'm just not clear. So let me catch you up on some Exodus. Like, I'm going to do Exodus in three minutes, and then we're going to dive into this text, right? So if you saw the movie, you think you know how it goes, but it's not exactly how it goes. But this is how it goes, right? Um, the, uh, Joseph, uh, Joseph moves to uh, Egypt, he becomes the king's cupbearer, he becomes plentiful, he multiplies. The Egyptians hate him, hate them, hate the people, make them slaves. You with me? They make the Israelites slaves, and they are slaves for a very long time. There's no straw for the bricks, right? And they are crying out, and God hears their cry. God says, I hear the cries of my people. I'm going to liberate them, make them free. I'm going to send Moses to make them free, right? Moses, who was actually uh, like a border person. Um, I am an Egyptian prince, I think, because my mother grabbed me from the water and I'm also an Egyptian, but I'm going to go do battle with Pharaoh, word battle, and make my people free. Everybody with me so far? Moses can't talk, but God gives him the words and he does it, right? Goes, does a paddle, plagues, frogs, scourges, Passover, death, and then the people are made free. They leave Israel with all their stuff and their things and their cows and their cups, and they move toward the Red Sea where they can't get through, can't get by, can't across, and they have, they have really been doubting God all along the way. Why are we out here in the world where we have no food, there's no meat, we could have been stayed in slavery, they make a golden calf, they just don't trust God. Is everybody still with me? All right, all right. They don't trust God. Moses takes the staff, opens the sea, across they go, the water comes, kills the chariots filled with Egyptians, and now Moses, Moses has other work to do. God, God, the same God, the same God who hovered over the creation at the deep, the same God who blew the breath into the Ha'adam, the same God that called the world into existence, that same God also now has led Israel across the wilderness in a pillar of light at night and a pillar of cloud at day. God has been in the presence. God has been the presence. God has been the presence for the people to liberate the people. And now God's presence goes up on the mountain. It's in a cloud. It's so mysterious. It's so magnanimous. It's so dangerous. Moses has the sense that if he looks upon the presence of God, he will die. But God picks Moses, so turns his back and lets Moses see the presence go by. And Moses doesn't die, but he gets shiny. Because the presence has lit him up from the inside out. The presence has changed his presentation. The presence has transformed him. And that's why the skin is shiny. It's not the face cream. It's the presence of God that has transformed Moses. And so now, and the word for this shininess is Quran, fascinating, because the Quran means the light of God in Islam. But this shininess of God, this shininess of God that has lit Moses up feels also to Moses dangerous. Maybe that's why he puts the veil on. But he takes it off when he's talking to God, and he takes it off when he's talking to the people. I missed that the first hundred times I read this scripture. 
He takes off the veil, talking to God and talking to the people, and puts it on in between. The word of God, the talk of God is more important than the shininess of God, I think, is what that part of the text is saying. But stay with me here. Moses is an interceder. And the way this text goes, the way the text continues to be told, is God is the presence that guides the people across the wilderness to the promised land. God is the presence that goes up on the mountain to deliver the covenant. And God is the presence that walks down the mountain with Moses so all the people can have access to it. And when we keep reading this text, God gives Moses instruction how to build a temporary tabernacle for the presence of God. So it doesn't have to stay up on the mountain, and it doesn't have to just be reflected in Moses' shininess. The people can take the presence of God with them as they travel through the wilderness. God wants the people, all the people, to have access to God's presence, not just Moses. God delivers the people, liberates the people with the presence. God goes up on the mountain to give them the commandments with the presence. God comes down the mountain to hang out with Moses so they can capture some presence. And then God gets inside the tabernacle so they can all have access to the presence of the holy. They don't need Moses to have access to the holy. Are you following me? There's a little propaganda in this text, right? Because <laughs> it's sort of like Moses versus Aaron. You know, who's the real power? But the real power, I discover with my exegetical nerdiness, is God. It seems like it's about Moses, but it's actually about God's liberating, light-causing, effervescent, way-changing, healing, way-making, path-causing, freedom-delivering presence that is up on the mountain, guiding people across deserts and inside the tabernacle so they can take God with them anywhere, everywhere, all the time. And the way the text keeps preaching, Jesus is the tabernacle, right? And the way the text keeps preaching, John's gospel says it this way, God is love, and everybody who tabernacles in love tabernacles in God, and God tabernacles in them. Hear me. God is love. Everybody who takes up residence in love lives in God, and God lives in them. In other words, you are the tabernacle, not that little box traveling across the desert. You are the tabernacle whenever you love fiercely. Yes, you, all of you, all of us. Every single one of us now has had an encounter with the light, with the Shekinah, with the Shekinah, with the Shekinah glory, with the presence. Shekinah meaning tabernacle or meaning neighbor or meaning female neighbor. As you've heard me say, the kabod, the glory of God, shows up in a female neighbor, in a, I don't know, in an SRO, I don't know, in a condo, in a co-op, in a love shack, baby. 
You are the place where the glory lives. We are the temple of the holy. And, y'all, they say truth, preaching is true through personality, and I'm a little stank today. I'm feeling a little stanky today. I'm a little mad today. I'm a little sad today. I'm a little sad today at all the people, all the folks who claim to have had an encounter with the holy and ain't changed nary. Did I say that, Daryl? Wrong. All the ways that we say God has moved in us, upon us, touched us, lit us on fire, but the church is a nammy-pammy show of a tabernacle way too often for my taste. What do I mean? When the church kind of thought that Trump was an angel sent by God, I'm saying no evidence of a holy encounter. None. When some parts of the church act like Putin is a good thing for Christianity, because he's helping to create a Christian global movement of white supremacy. No evidence of an encounter with the holy. When Putin invades a sovereign nation in the name of empire building, no evidence of encounter with the holy. And when the Ukrainians, who are themselves under siege, some of them are not wanting little black children to get on the train because they're black and escape. Did you see that? That's not evidence of an encounter with the holy, guys. When we invade the sovereign bodies of trans teenagers passing laws in Texas that act like their parents who are trying to support them are abusing them, that's no sign of an encounter with the holy. Not as far as I can tell. I'm saying we who have been lit by love, who have been liberated by love, cannot pretend like our faith is calling us to be bystanders when the world is going to hell. Oh my gosh, y'all. Are we going to be bold in our faith? Are we going to be radical in our love? Are we going to defy Paul's kind of wimpy preaching? Love does not insist on its own way. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Love insists on love. Love insists on love. Love insists on love. I don't think we have time for nice faith. I'm not talking about violent faith. I just don't think we have time for Placido Domingo faith. I don't think we have time for Nami Pami faith. I don't think we have time to sit idly by while in the name of Jesus, this nation goes to hell. I think we're required to fire it up, to be fired up, to allow ourselves to inhabit the bold presence of God, the Shekinah presence of God, to be the house, the place where God lives as revolution. Is that okay? 
<laughs> I, I don't think we have time to pretend that we're not in an urgent, life-changing moment that requires each of us to inhabit love, not as kiss on two cheeks, but as fierce demand of justice. That what Dr. King says is true, is that justice is love demanding everything that stands against love to be dismantled. This is our calling, my family. This is our calling on this last day of Black History Month. This is our calling in this time of transfiguration for each of us to be changed. Did you see Amethyst live the transformed life, inhabit herself in that dance? I'm feeling like all of us need to own the transitionness of our lives from passive to assertive, from assertive to aggressive, to revolutionary lovers, to fierce lovers that demand equal pay for equal work, that demand women's rights to choose, that demand trans bodies be loved, that demand a safe place for LGBTQI people, that demand a place for our Asian siblings to be safe, that demand a place for brown and black people to live safe and whole, that demand the end of whiteness as a disease. When I say whiteness, you know, I'm married to John, and John is white. Hi, John. John is the nicest person I know. So I'm not talking about why people. I'm talking about whiteness that sometimes inhabits black and brown people as colonialized, interjected dis-ease. I want us to be liberated from the gaze of whiteness that sets up each other against each other, that makes boundaries where there should be none, that sets up fighting inbred crazy weirdness that doesn't assume that all of us can be who we are and be well. I want us to fight against that. I want us to make a future where we don't have to have dead people, dead babies shot because they're dangerous. I don't want us to live in a world where Jews and Muslims and Sikhs are in danger because they're not white and Christian. I don't want to have to mourn any more Asian aunties because of some stupid words about Asian flu. I want us to live as one human family. And, that, and that's it. My time is up. Uh, 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 you are the revolution. We don't need someone to stand between us and God. <laughs> you are the one I've been waiting for. Amen. <laughs>